0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to In Our 1990s, the podcast where your two hosts in the rain and humidity of our southern state rank the the alternative albums of the 1990s. And uh, we're getting off to a great start this week with me stumbling over my words already. Um, I'm your host, Natalie, and with me as always is my co-host, Hadrian. How are you, Hadrian? Oh, not so bad. Uh, This has been a better week than the last few weeks, you know. We we have rights again.
1: Oh yeah, we got fucking rights. Yeah, I did have a big a big uh, episode of Move. I'm gay at work yesterday. That was that was pretty great.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the turf wizards can't hold us down.
1: Oh, bitch got dropped by her publisher. So
0: congratulations um, to all to all of our all of our fellow gays. Hello, fellow gays.
1: <laughs> Hello. <laughs>
0: Um, I am officially Steve Vashimi in a backwards baseball cap.
1: Yep. With a rock band shirt.
0: (laughs) Yep, rock band. We are going to talk about a rock band this week. Boy, are we. We didn't decide which album we're going to start with. You want to start with the rock band and not the whatever the fuck my album is? I
1: have more to say about Marcy Playground than I'm going to have to say about your album, so yes. I have
0: a lot to say about my album, so.
1: Well, I'm going to let you talk about your album because my opinion is very clear cut. We can do that one first (laughs) if you want.
0: why not let's do do it okay so my album for this week is uh blow eyelash wish by love's lies crushing from 1994 it is the first album by that duo and it may or may not be nobody seems to be sure if it's the same two people as all the other love's lies crushing albums because normally they're scott cortez who does the instruments and uh, melissa arpin um who does the vocals but the first album credits the singer as Isabel, and that's it, just Isabel, but she sounds exactly the same as Melissa Arpin, so it, from what I researched, I could not find out if it's the same singer as every other Loves Lies Crushing album. I think it is, but...
1: Maybe they would just try it on a a handy-dandy stage name. Yeah,
0: who knows? It, it's I weird. I am Isabel. <laughs> Um, This was on... This is our first Project Records release of Mini, I'm sure, which uh. is... Hilarious because this sounds nothing like anything else on project. Yeah,
1: I, li- I, li- I like me a good project records jam.
0: Project this is basically it. Dead Can Dance, the record label. Yes. And and Voltaire. Yes. Um, and Loves Lies Crushing. I mean Voltaire obviously goth, definitively goth. Um, Dead this can is dance. not goth.
1: Yeah. No, this this goth. Look now, listen. You listen to this shit. And I know a lot of people who listen to this shit who are also goths. So I'm going to go ahead and say there's a crossover between this album and what goth listened to that aren't me.
0: This is, I mean, it's heavily, heavily influenced. Obviously, My Bloody Valentine is the main influence, but also the Cocteau Twins are a huge influence. This Mortal Coil is a huge influence. Harold Budd is a huge influence, Harold Budd, not Goth, but hangs out with with 4AD record yeah. records people. Made an album with the Tortoise Twins that I really wish we could do on the show, but it came out in the '80s. Um, so this is um, maybe best described as what happens if you take the album Loveless and take out all the bass and drums and just have guitar and vocals. Um, would that's you say that's generous. fair?
1: That's generous. Uh,
0: but I mean, it, it's it's shoe days noise with very little structure.
1: I just it's so I'll, I'm a, I'm gonna be I'm be honest. Just get this out of the way now. A lot of this was just verbally noise to me, and I could not. I mean, I could tell there were parts where there was someone singing, and it approached a song. But I could not make it through this album more than a couple times, and I that was against my my rule for the albums of this podcast but I was trying super hard because I was like this means a lot to Natalie that I try to do this and I'm sorry
0: This is the most gentle noise album you will ever hear I um, I know
1: and I can't do it And
0: I think me classifying it as noise could be somewhat controversial because it's obviously it's not power electronics it's not harsh noise it's not junk noise it's not whatever other sub-genre of noise you want to come up with like it's
1: a it's a feedback
0: there are chords in in these songs yeah i mean
1: they're, they're like
0: these are songs for the most part there are there are some tracks that I would hesitate to classify as songs but most of most of the tracks have chord progressions mm-hmm. and vocals
1: yeah and I appreciate that the songs that were more heavy on that than just the all-out noise i preferred those i can't I tried, I just can't uh, differ- differentiate them from each other. It was all kind of just a wall, and I was trying to listen to it at work, and I'm just... All all this... I couldn't listen to, to this in my car. It was making me, like, actually, like, agitated. Like, and not, not in a, like, road rage way, but, like, I couldn't focus. I can't
0: listen to this in my car because it makes me sleepy. Oh. I, although one of my most interesting driving experiences was when I was in college... It was snowing really heavily, one, or it started snowing really heavily one day when I was driving to class, and I put this CD on in my car and listened to this and driving in a snowstorm. And that was pretty fitting for this that, music.
1: That seems pretty aesthetically on point for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's.
1: I'm like, I like Eat Brian, you know, soundscape stuff. Like, that's. Yeah. Oh, great.
0: Well, so every other Love's Lies Crushing album after this one is more ambient soundscape yeah which then, i've heard they're later stuff yeah
1: which i vastly I, I prefer
0: and this is this is like the guy was this is like scott Tortez was writing songs for a band and then couldn't find a band and he was like well what if it what if i just did it by myself on guitar instead um and it, it's ahead of its time in the sense that he was doing stuff that would not become super mainstream um i don't remember if i said but this came out in 94 um which by that point shoegaze was already kind of on the wane as far as the original bands um had put out most of
1: because like shoegaze started like early 80s right it was like 83 yeah
0: i wouldn't say that um i mean i feel like the well, unless you count the Cocteau twins as the first shoe days band. That's and, what I was counting. Um so. which I don't really consider them shoe days. They're they're dream pop, not shoe days. I, I would say shoe days was like late eighties probably okay. would, would be when it officially became you know.
1: I was just I was just I, I think in my head I, I I cite the Cocteau twins as a kicking off point. Yeah, or like, for
0: sure, like uh Head Over Heels is is like the album where Goth sort of starts to turn into dream pop, in a, in in a way, because it's still pretty dark, and it's much darker than a lot of the Talk twins Twin stuff. But it was where they f- where they stopped sounding like Susie and mm-hmm. started sounding like Robin Guthrie. Um, but it, I would say more like, um, see, I'm outing myself as a bad Shoe Days fan here because I couldn't tell you what like the first Shoe Days record in terms of. Ride and My Bloody Valentine and Slow Dive and bands that sound like that, like, which came first. I would be tempted to say that, like, the Stone Roses would be early, even though they weren't shoe shoegaze.
1: I feel Stone Roses would be pretty accurate.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know much. I mean, My Bloody Valentine was putting stuff out before that, but it wasn't, it was more their, like, weird cramps-influenced stuff.
1: Yeah, so th- this this is why uh, goth in particular is hard to quantify and hard to, like, give you a firm timeline of what goth is because it was a lot of post-punk, we can say that. It was like, Susie yeah. the Banshees and the Cure were both just like, nah, punk, but we're not going to do that. Yeah. And then, so that was definitively post-punk.
0: And I, I would say the birthday party is a mm-hmm. pretty good... Like, Susie and the birthday party and the Cure Bauhaus... Anyway, yeah. this isn't. This but
1: but, but the, reason I'm, the reason i bring this up is that like I feel that like shoegaze and noise and all of this kind of descended from the same landscape of people wanting to just be outside of the realm of what is a, a appropriate, predictable, and what you're hearing on the radio. And so like this all falls. So them being on project doesn't affect. I think is a part of that because they were in the same realm, and that's why goth is such a, a broad term. And people think it's like always like we're the dark romantics, but it's goth is pretty varied. I, I feel bad that I don't like this album as much.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, so it's it's extremely like to the extent that it's noise. It's noise because it's very heavily distorted, but more than distortion, he's using reverb. Yes, uh, this this sounds like it's run through multiple. Reverb effects. I it, so I had I used to have a you know as a guitarist I used to buy guitar magazines and I bought this one that had where they had gotten a bunch of different guitarists from different styles to tell exactly what was in their guitar rig and Scott Cortez was actually I don't know how this guitar magazine knew who the fuck Scott Cortez Scott Tor- Cortez was but he was one of the people whose guitar rig they featured hmm. and it was like not very much stuff like that alesis unit that i have is like that was like the center of his his setup wow and then he ran various distortion pedals and and delays into that um and why like why i think this is really interesting is it's obviously it's influenced by my bloody valentine but it doesn't do what I think of is My Bloody Valentine's signature sound, which is what Kevin Shields called glide guitar, where you hold the trim bar as you strum, so the strings are always going in and out of tune, which is how My Bloody Valentine sounds like they do.
1: And I fucking love that about My Bloody Valentine. Like, yeah. It, just, it sounds great.
0: Um, and Scott Cortez doesn't really do that. Instead, he it's just this wall of sustain that he gets. I mean, I'm sure he has a sustain effect in there somewhere, but also just through intense reverb and i'm sure this was played at a very high volume when it was recorded um because that's how you sustain but it it doesn't like you can hear changes in the chords but you never hear him strumming yeah it's just like a synth pad basically where you don't ever hear the changes but they're there um
1: i'm i'm, I'm reflecting on what i remember of the album
0: that yeah that's So it it starts off with uh, the song Baby's Breath, which I I love. um, And I would kind of describe it as sounding like being underneath a waterfall while the waterfall goddess sings to you. (laughs) I mean, it's really loud and boomy, but it's not... It's like a a gentle boominess, if that makes sense. It's kind of like Mm -hmm. a, a rolling thunder of that has notes to it um and that's a pretty good description of the noisier songs on the album Mm -hmm. so there's 20 tracks on on this album yes which is a lot but also quite a few of those are very short like there's quite a few songs that are under two minutes and but
1: the songs that aren't oh my god
0: the songs that aren't usually aren't that long either it's just that they're so abstract that it's hard to. They they seem longer than they are. Yeah. But the the shorter songs tend to be the ones that have different textures. Um. Like there's a few tracks that sound that are like, fifteen to thirty seconds long that sound like a toy piano run through a bunch of effects. And then there's toward the end of the album, especially there's some stuff that just straight up sounds like, head over heels slash treasure era Cocteau Twins. Or um Victoria Land Era Tarto twins. Like it's much cleaner. Um and you can hear the vocals more. Mm. And the vocals, just like the guitar, are run through like 17 layers of reverb. Yeah. So I mean the even the vocals also kind of sound like a synth pad where you you know they're they're so drenched that you're not I mean there's there's basically nothing where you can understand the vocals, um, except for the song I Want You, which is the one that Scott Tortez sings. And the lyrics are, I want you, but I can't have you. And then he just repeats that through the whole song. Yep. Um, But any of the songs where Isabel slash Melissa Arpin is singing are uh, completely unintelligible. I mean, they make Elizabeth Fraser sound clear. You can understand,
1: like, Cocktock Twins lyrics, like,
0: Sometimes. Yeah. On the later stuff, you can. Yeah, not
1: not all the time, but you get a vague impression of, like, I think that's what they're saying. You
0: can make out distinct words, even if you don't know what the words are. Whereas on this, you, she could, I I don't even know that she's singing words. She could just be going, ah, 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 through the whole, through the whole album. Yeah. Um.
1: Because a lot of times when people are doing that, it's more just like, V. That's not, like, you're just singing letters.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, she could very well be doing that too. Um So I the the what stands out to me about this and, and makes it like elevates it above other stuff that was heavily my Bloody Valentine and Tracto twins influenced in the 90s is just that it's it's more experimental. Um
1: I'll give it that.
0: Like I, I really like the toy piano sounding stuff. It it has a it's like almost like punk rock Harold Budd because it's kind of like dirty and harsh and abrasive but also like wispy at the same time like it's really hard to describe um and i think that's that's like a cool way to mix up that sort of modern classical abstraction thing that Harold Budd does um there are times when I don't think that works super well. Like some of the textures, like the one I'm specifically thinking of is the song "Dizzy," which is my least favorite song on the album. It has the like guitar line that's like da, 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 da. I'm messing it up there, but um, it's it's got this really harsh distor- distortion and like a really heavy like room reverb on it that is yes, like really metallic and and clangy and like I think that sounds terrible. It, yes um but that's like the only song in the album i don't like
1: i wish i had more to say i'm so sorry no it's, i don't
0: it's, i understand i mean i've sat here and talked for 15 minutes about it mostly by myself because it's like i think this is like don't get me wrong this is not like a Top five
1: for me. No, but the thing is, I'm trying to be respectful of not being able... So there's a thing where I can say, like, so with the whole album, I talked up my ass about it, but I didn't like how it sounded because I felt it was just amateurish and bad. And this isn't amateurish, but it is not something that I resonate with. It's not something that I can be objective about. It's not something I can... and, And I feel when you can't be objective about something, you're honest about it. Yeah. You're just like, I... Cannot give you a good appraisal of this. I will do my my damnedest to be fair, but I'm pretty much going off of your expertise on this subject because I I know that I don't have it. I like I listen to the Cocteau Twins, I listen to My Bloody Valentine, but to no depth this, similar to yours, and I just had to agree that this wasn't for me. But it, but I don't think it. But I think even from my somewhat plebeian experience with noise and even this introduction inter- introduction to noise that I can say that it's not bad. I certainly prefer it to things that are made with power tools.
0: But yeah like, it's, yeah, it's it, a it's, much easier listen than than even, you know, Murzbow or CCC. And
1: I found some mersbau I can I can zone out to because he has a very warm sound to some of his music. Yeah. Uh this doesn't this isn't very warm. It is very reverby but not a warm reverb it's a very
0: it's cavernous yes it's
1: cavernous (laughs) and and it's inherently cold feeling and so I I do get I do understand in a limited aspect why people like music that sounds like this because it is focusing your your sensory experiences on what what the music can invoke, which is a, a higher level of listening to music. It's the same reason people listen to classical music. Same reason people listen to dissonant classical music. You want something that invokes a sensation beyond just an emotion. You want to feel a place. You want to feel the texture in the music. And I get that. And I just don't resonate with this. But I can appreciate that other people do.
0: Yeah, and, and that's fair. I mean, I, I also think that, like, most of Loves Lies Crushing's other work is a lot better than this. Well I've heard their later stuff. I had never um, heard this album. Yeah. Uh, and the the more ambient stuff, it's, I mean, it's more professional in a way. It's also more interesting that he was still doing it basically with just a guitar because it does not sound like a guitar anymore. Um, whereas this album, there's no doubt that, that, I mean, there are the few piano tracks, but which even that, honestly, like... I would not be surprised if that were a guitar. That mm-hmm. um, you could make a guitar sound like a piano. Yeah, I mean, easily. I did a a recording that I've never put out anywhere when I was a teenager. That I was trying to make it sound like the magnetic fields, but I used like a ring modulator on the guitar and actually managed to like get it to be sort of like a clingy auto tune piano. And like when I listened back to it after I recorded it, I was like, shit, that actually sounds like a piano. So like those tracks, I I think they're piano or keyboard, but they they could be guitar also. Yeah. Um Also this was recorded on a four track. Four track tape recorder. Which is I mean, I think it sounds way good for that.
1: I, I assume the when you want something to sound fuzzy and distorted, you want it to be on the cheapest thing you can find.
0: Yeah, I mean, also, I'm guessing it was probably recorded on a Tascam four track because those had a pitch knob on them, so you can just slow the tape down. Um,
1: I'm talking into a Tascam mic right now, which
0: a lot of uh, ambient musicians now actually use. That Tascam four track that I recorded on when I was a teenager as <laughs> um, as an instrument, they just run the sound through it, and because they can tweak the pitch knob on it, um, yeah, it's like it's. A really cool effect i did some of that back in the day when i had one of those or I borrowed one for an extended period of time let's say um but yeah so it's a lot of this sound like what i i love the way this album sounds but also it's like you put 20 tracks on an album you're gonna have a lot of misses and even though i like all of them a lot of these songs are just, just kind of end there's almost no build-up or like sense of the song going somewhere. It's kind of like a lot of them just kind of sound like an idea that that never got fleshed out. And so that's like what holds this one back for me and why I think the others are better, because as he got even more abstract than this, the song's kind of like you, you didn't notice as much of a song just kind of like stopped all of a sudden then another one started which happens a few times on this album it's just like oh I guess that I guess that one's over now um so yeah uh, that's I mean that's that's about what I have to say about it I guess oh yeah also the song your eyes Immaculate they actually released that one as a single which
1: is, is that a single
0: yeah that's that um, that takes balls that, yeah that's very ballsy uh, that's like. Up there with My Bloody Valentine putting out To Hear No Swin as a single. Okay, but
1: like To Hear No when is is good.
0: It, this album sounds so much like To Hear No Swin, which is my favorite My Bloody Valentine song. Probably my favorite song of all time. But um, That's the one that they do at the end right of their head. shows, right? No, that's You Made Me Realize. Ah. To Hear No When is is like, you'd know it if you heard it. It's like the one where you can barely tell there's drums.
1: So uh, a couple years ago, we went to a My Bloody Valentine uh concert and i had never seen them live and i didn't have a huge knowledge of them but i sat there with earplugs and it's sort of like nodded while natalie was having this like like transformative experience <laughs> and i was like none of these songs are differentiated i know they're different songs
0: you you went outside but, during you made me realize and i was like i'm taking it all i'll just put it in my veins
1: i came back in that song is
0: I think I think when they did it at our show, like they that show that song when they do it live runs for, from like ten to forty minutes. I think it probably went around twenty. It was. I went. Out, I went
1: halfway because I needed to just not be. I'm very sensitive to vibration, and that song just. There like,
0: were chunks of the plaster from the yes. ceiling falling. We were that, in. A, we were how in how an were.
1: old uh, theater house in Chicago. I forget which one. And anyone who from Chicago who listened to this, you'll look that up. But or, or you were there? Oh, you were there. Yeah, but uh, it was it was beautiful and it was amazing. But I was just like, this is too much. And they thought I was on drugs because I just had too much sound hit me. <laughs> and so they made everyone who was sitting on the floor stand up. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm just hot and dehydrated, and the noise is too much. So I try. I'm a good sport.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um.
1: I don't know how the fuck we're gonna rank this one.
0: Well, I know where I would put it.
1: I know where I would put it, but like that's not me. That's me not being objective.
0: Yeah, right. So we have to come to a compromise. So I would put this um, between reach in and Rituitous sights and senseless violence, which would make it number eight.
1: Uh, I would put it under stereolab.
0: Okay, I I can totally live with that.
1: Yeah, I think that, I think that's fair because. That's middle. That's like almost the middle of the playlist, at the, the playlist, the list at this point when we add the other song, the other album, and it's like I can't, I can't be mean about it. I can't praise it. It is a thing that exists, and you have more experience <laughs> with it. But I'm willing to bet that it's not bad. So the middle of the road is where I stand on it, and it's going to be hard to, to rank around it. But I'm going to keep that in my mind that I have made this de- declaration that it is a completely average thing that I have experienced.
0: Yeah. And, and this is not one that's going to be like a gatekeeper record for me on the list. Like I, I get that it's, it, it has flaws. I think it's a really cool experiment that is not Always successful.
1: Yeah, I can appreciate that.
0: Um, like, none of these songs outside of maybe, like, Baby's Breath would be on, like, a Natalie's favorite song list. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a really cool album. It's, it's if you like Shoe Days and you've never heard this, you have to listen to this. It, it's a must, a must hear. Um, if, if you're a Noise fan and you haven't heard it and you don't care that much about Shoe Days, I don't think you're going to be super, super into it. Yeah. Um, it's definitely more on the mersbau end of the noise spectrum than the, than the like white house end of the noise spectrum. Um, it's not going to hurt you. It's, it's very pretty by noise. In fact, yes, I, I, I heard this called that. like when people sort of tried to get a genre called beautiful noise off the ground, this, this would be the main example of, which I, I never really heard many people use that, but it's a good way to describe it. It's, it's noisier than Shoe Days, but not as noisy as harsh noise um yeah. so yeah that would put it at the new number 10 right yeah. you said after cobra and phases group yes okay cool yeah so I, i'm totally happy with this being number 10 i think it's a good place for it yeah um so let's take a break and then we'll uh come back and talk about marcy playground And our second album for this week is Marcy Playground by Marcy Playground from 1997. And I will turn it over to Hadrian since this is his choice this week.
1: Yeah, this album slaps. Uh, So, (laughs)
0: Actually, let me say one thing up front and then then I'll let you go off. Um, So this is the least Hadrian record I've ever heard and I can't (laughs) believe you like it as much as you do. (laughs) Not because it's bad. This is not a bad record. But this sounds like several genres of music that i have heard you just shit on
1: oh no that's fair that's a fair criticism this is not glitter glitter boy ponce rock it's fine it's it's
0: no it's whiny indie folk and grunge
1: but the thing is is that i think that marcy playground sits at a corner of like being post grunge in a way that it just functions. I, I think that they, so when I was looking at the inspirations, they list like Neil Young, they, they list Nirvana, and I hear a lot of Tom Petty in this, which is not listed on any of their influences, but I feel the way that the Marcy Playground songs are constructed are absolutely fucking lutely a Tom Petty song. And if you just change the way the instrumentation is, make it a little bit faster, it would be a Tom Petty song. So like, I'm cool with that. I love Tom Petty thing you probably didn't know about me.
0: <laughs> it, that's also a little surprising.
1: I fucking love Tom Petty. But because I think his I think his music is really interesting. and I think his, his lyrics are surprisingly complex compared to how his music sounds. And he just, you know, did his own shit. He, he talked about his emotions and his Tom Petty expressed a lot of his frustration in life through his music. And I appreciate artists who do that uh I don't like Neil Young very much because I think that he caters to a side of the, like you can just hit a drum and make music which is evident in his current lineup where people criticize that his musicians can't play their instruments and he defends them wildly while I I respect Neil Young's ability to like I I respect <laughs> Neil Young being able go, going out there and going yeah fuck you I'm going to do whatever I want it's like fucking do it man you're still selling records but I also agree that his music sounds somewhat amateurish and unpolished and it's just entirely him being a liberal and it's fine.
0: I'm going to take a hard stance on Neil Young and say that no, it is not fine and I hate every Neil Young song I've ever listened He's to. He's fine.
1: I don't like Neil Young either, but like I don't hate Neil Young as much as Natalie does. But there's some Neil Young in this. But the reason that I, I liken Marty Playground to Tom Petty is that Mar- this, this album, like the Primitive Radio Gods album we listen to, Earlier in the show, was recorded initially long before this album ever came out. Oh god, this was ninety seven. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so this was recorded, I think, in like ninety four, originally.
0: Yeah, that would make a lot of sense.
1: But not not this version of this album. So this album was re-recorded. Uh, the song Sherry Fraser on this was added to that original lineup, and Sherry Fraser was the person who helped him record. Oh, God, his name is like something Wozniak, and I can't remember his full name. Is
0: it Joe? John.
1: John. Okay, so. John Wozniak. Yeah, so John Wozniak. So he recorded this album before he formed the band, and then they repurposed it. And I think they did this more effectively than that Primitive Radio Gods album, because these songs are not bad.
0: Oh, it's, it's much better than that album.
1: Yeah. Of course it is. (laughs) Um, so, uh, John Wozniak is the, is the precocious child of, you know, highly educated parents, so he was going to be fucked up, and I think this might be another reason this album resonates with me, is that, like, when you have a deluge of just, like, super smart parents in your youth, you are not prepared to deal with anyone in your peer group. Like, you just aren't. Unless all of your your parents talk to, like, MIT graduates and their children. And there's a certain sense of isolation in these lyrics and the way that he talks about subjects that I resonate with because that's a frame I would take. And when I first heard this album when I was much younger, I was like, I think I first heard this album in, like, 98. And that was around the time I started actively listening to music in a way that, that matters. Um... I heard uh, Vampires of New York, and that's very- that is a direct connection to Tom Petty, which is one of the reasons that sticks in my brain, but I was like, okay, I like the way that this this moves along with this, the sound of the music, and then I started learning more about- uh, The British Empire and the origins of opium and the usage of opium and the devastation caused by poppies and opium. So, the song Poppies that starts this album just like, and they're like, Yeah!
0: (laughs) And you think, I haven't heard this Presidents of the United States of America song.
1: I didn't listen to the Presidents of the United States of America, but Poppies
0: sound so much like them. To but, me, anyway.
1: But I think it's just still Marcy Playground. Just in, is this own its own like weird, just like a precocious child grew up and was like, "Well, I wrote all these like precocious things when I was a kid, and now I have more frame and can talk about them more eloquently." So, I so my favorite songs on the album are uh, "Poppies," "Opium," does uh, it "Saint Joe" on the school bus?
0: Yeah, that one's. My second favorite.
1: And what we haven't talked about, I like, Cherry Frazier, Vampires of New York.
0: Gone Crazy is my favorite.
1: Gone Crazy is very good. But Sex and Candy is on this album. And that is the only Marcy Playground song most people have ever heard. Because it blew the fuck up in 96. It was the only song you heard on the radio. It'd be, like, like, Love Fool, and then Sex and Candy. So that
0: that one came out, like, before the album?
1: Yeah, it was their single. Sex and Candy was the single, this was, yeah, like so like, in 96, 97, I lived in Dallas, so I remember, right, driving on the shotgun with my father, which was a stretch of highway that's not called that anymore, but it was an overpass that didn't have any way to stop speeding, so people just drove as fast as fucking possible, so it was called the shotgun, and I remember this, um, toady, the Toadies, Love Fool, uh, Celebrity Skin, feels like that was the same time frame. Yeah,
0: it, it was. Uh,
1: so, like, it was, like, all of that music was just, like, mashing my fucking head. But Sex and Candy was when, like, often timed itself that we got just outside of the high-speed zone, and everything started, like, hanging around. And, like, that, that would, like, the start car started slowing down. So, like, I think that song is just, like, wedged into my brain because I was very much in, like, a Dallas insane uh, grid system traffic malaise when i listened to a lot of music in the 90s and this was just there i like sex and candy it lyrically it's not very strong it's probably the lyrically the, it, le- lyrically, the least lyrically it's
0: the reason i don't like that song if it had like those are some brand malco level embarrassingly bad lyrics
1: and they are better than probably any placebo song but
0: uh, now there there's placebo stuff that's uh
1: but a song, song to say
0: goodbye is better than okay. there's at least one placebo song that's better than <laughs> better lyrics than that
1: yeah this this album just it is it is not composed in a way that functions in a high level compared to some other albums we've listed on our on our we've listened to so far on this show, but it is someone who knows how to write music putting forth early product
0: so yeah it I'm not impressed by the songwriting at all on it. Like, it's it's not bad, like I said. But, but I like
1: Poppies. You, you listen to Poppies. Yeah,
0: Poppies is... I mean, it's a... Okay rock song. It, like, I don't think anything on here. It's is a special. history
1: lesson in a rock song. Yeah. Which is something that you would find more in metal...
0: It's, it's probably the prog rock, you would best find... song lyrically on the album.
1: I, I fucking love St. Joe. It's like, St. Joe, you said your dad was gay. You said your mom, she's a whore.
0: While he plays the riff from Come As You Are by Nirvana, note for note, <laughs> and I can't believe they didn't get sued. It's like not... Down to using I to the these... same chorus pedal that Kurt Cobain used on that song, I think.
1: I think it's a better song than Come As You Are.
0: I I don't, but I you don't know like I still major. I still love Nirvana. So
1: I'm not a big fan of Nirvana, but I think that's the thing where I'm gonna like. I think things like Marcy Playground are functionally better, but just because it came from a different place, and you can feel a lot of Kurt Cobain's pain in his music, and that's great, and that's a thing I think a lot of people resonate with. That's not relevant to this conversation right now.
0: I think it might be because I think that uh, the Shadow of Seattle is probably inspired by Kurt Cobain's suicide. Hmm. Because, I mean, it, I don't think any of the lyrics on this album are very good. It, not necessarily, like, the subject matter is bad, but they're just very... They're, they're just that very vague, like, I'm going to knock the lyrics out in one pass and not go back to them. I, fe- I feel like uh, And that one, got... it feel like there's something about, like, being on the front lines of the war of art that, that just struck me as, like... that Between that and the title, I was like, this is probably about, you know, everybody... Getting famous and wanting to die, and being a heroin addict. Mm-hmm. See, also poppies and opium.
1: Yes, yeah, I mean I think there is a lot of that. And so, uh, Marcy Playground, at least uh, John Wozniak is originally from uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, I can't say that city's name, so bear with me. And Marcy Playground is the playground of an elementary school that he went to, so it was like the it was like. The original title of the band's the name of the band was much longer. It was like blah 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 Marcy's Playground, and then just Marcy Playground became the actual name of the band. And it was it was very much like the Knights of the Ungo Boingo situation. It was like, man, you better just shorten it. And there's I think there's there's a, a lot of like inner city malaise. In the way that this is written. And that speaks to the same environment. And it's clearly inspired by Nirvana. It's clearly inspired by all of grunge. But it transcends past it. Because there was just... I think he's a little too good at writing some things. the Lyrics here aren't great. But I think their later work is much better. And there was already a foundation of him transcending what this album sounds like. But... Overall, it was one of those things that I enjoyed listening to when I was younger, and I think it works as a. a co- it works together, and it was one of the first albums that I just started listening to all the way through because I liked to be like I liked going from Poppies to Opium, and that felt like I had listened to an album. even though There were more songs after that, so I don't know. I I I get I get I get everything you say about this. I just think that it stands out and Mar- and Sex and Candy is completely different than everything else that they ever released.
0: Really, I think it sounds exactly like every other song in the song I know a, lyrics.
1: So I know a lot of people who only heard Sex and Candy are like, I'm gonna listen to Marcy P- Playground and they shit-talked the fuck out of this band. And that was why I was always afraid to talk to, about that I liked them because the blowback to Sex and Candy and people obsessing over that song and then being very disheartened when they heard you know Saturday on their next album yeah
0: this was not a well-liked album from the what I looked into it it did not review well no it did uh, not review well one, And one I don't remember which but one outlet ranked it as the 12th worst album of the 90s which I think is like ridiculous that is but
1: fucking stupid this it, album is like, fine
0: it's fine but it's like I would still put it in the I mean I'm not saying let's rank it right now but I mean this would be bottom 3 for me if, I, if which I'm not going to fight you on that cuz I know you like it a lot more than that but like, I
1: think it I think it gets a bad rap and I think it's it way
0: better than that primitive radio gods album yes. but it's still on our current list right above it for me
1: Well we're we're, we're. I, I think that people need to give Marcy Playground a full listen and there are bands that I, there are not many bands that I'll tell you to go out there and listen to like everything a, a band has ever done but like listen to both 90s Marcy Playground albums because the second one is way better and Yeah, I'll just straight true. up fucking say that but like Sex and Candy is poignant and was fucking everywhere I don't know what, what did that single rank I didn't look that up
0: I didn't either. Um, I mean, I know it was... It was played enough that even I heard it and I didn't listen to the radio at that time. If, if, so. if it was
1: not number one, it was very close because it just was everywhere. Just that and Loveful. Goddamn. Yeah, like, loveful
0: so much better. I love the cardigans so much.
1: I love the cardigans too. We're going to talk about the cardigans at some point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, this album is fine. It, 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 it's a weird orphan among... The, the music it's inspired by, and the music that followed it. And it's... Because there's some grunge there, but like Veruca Salt, it clearly is trying to push beyond it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely post-grunge, but like, the song Opium, and the song St. Joe on the School Bus. That's the title, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll try that. Um, it, those songs are still very... I mean it's mostly Nirvana. It, it's there's there's no Soundgarden influence on this no, album, but no. it, like there's no Alice in Chains to this, but it, it's clearly an influence even though it's a much more like kind of an early indie folk album really more than anything. Yeah, but and again what like what surprises me is I don't remember which song it is now and I should know that and I'm sorry but I'm tired. Um, <laughs> It, there's one song in here that sounds exactly like neutral milk hotel to me and i was listening to it and i was like how does hadrian like how does someone who hates neutral milk hotel as much as you do <laughs> like this album because
1: i th- i i like john wozniak's voice more i i actually like his voice and when i like someone's voice that does a lot to for me to forgive the rest of their music uh I'm I'm very I I respond very well to voices that I I approve
0: of. Yeah, I think the mellow stuff like Gone Crazy, he's better on that. I think I hate his voice on poppies. It's so like nasal and and whiny he, on that song.
1: Well, there's a there's a uh, vocal n- no no that he does Poppy. Yeah, that's like, what that, like, that, that kept is... me from
0: being able to enjoy that song.
1: Well, yeah. So when you're when you're taught to sing. Uh, doing eh is a bad thing. You go, poppy, he's. You try to find, you have to find a way to blend those notes without going, he's. But it's rock music. Like, they can do whatever the fuck they want. Don't People don't follow the rules of, I mean, if people follow the rules of how to sing, no one would say chore. And that bothers me more than vocal glides than ever have. Because I do them, I I can't stop myself from doing them. I can't staccato for shit, and that got me marked down in choir class.
0: <laughs> um. So yeah, I think that there's some like weirdly prescient stuff on this. Um. Like there's some stuff like I said. I mean, this was kind of concurrent with Neutral Milk Hotel, so it definitely wasn't an influence on them, but um. Also, some stuff that kind of sounds like the Decemberists on here.
1: Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because that whole swath, like, northern United States has a a shared sound.
0: Yeah, I don't know where the Decemberists are from, but I assume they're Midwestern. Uh, Portland. Oh, okay. So they're not Midwestern. But,
1: but northern United States has a, like, almost shared circuit of music. And so, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm I think it's Portland. I know, I think, uh, Harvey Danger is from Seattle. Probably. Uh, but it, <laughs> either way, Seattle and Portland music... <laughs> they sound like they would be. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's a whole other conversation because... Uh,
0: we'll get to them eventually, too. Yeah. I, I'm putting my flag... My flag... Didn't mean to say that. Putting putting it out there right now that Flag Pulse is still a great song.
1: Uh, that sounds fucking great. And I haven't dropped that bomb on us yet because... I feel it was up to me to drop that bomb, and I didn't want to do it yet. Yeah. But Marcy Playground's great, and you should listen to Marcy Playground, because I think that, like, it's really nice, like, this is what the 90s sounded like for a lot of people, and it's one of those albums that you listen to and be like, that was made in the 90s, and you you hear it, you uh, feel
0: it. Definitely sounds like that. Um, I it, it needs more. It, like, so many of these songs are, like, I mean, they're a three-piece, and so many of these songs are just, like, acoustic guitar, bass, and drums, which if you're not the violent films is always boring
1: <laughs> i like the violent films
0: too I, I do too but that's because there's energy and oh no there's some actual the manic
1: films. energy to the violent films that is not in my playing it whatsoever there's no
0: energy whatsoever in this album and it i had to get used to that
1: but i think that's
0: like they always sound like they're about to fall asleep.
1: Yeah. Well, so the second album was way more upbeat even though his voice is still the same, which is why I say if you I mean we're going to do the second album because it was in it was still in the 90s, but listen to this album, then listen to the song Saturday from the second album and that it's a t- complete tonal shift.
0: Yeah, they needed something to add to their, son, their sound. And and like I said, I don't think this is a bad album. I mean, there's there's nothing on this album that's as bad as Fragile or Grapes of Wrath, the worst songs from last week. <laughs> um, nothing on this album is, is, is as embarrassing as either of those songs, but there's also nothing on this album that's anywhere near as good as the best tracks on those two records. And, and it's, it just kind of feels like ultimately they weren't really going for much, so they there aren't any great failures, but then there are also aren't any great successes.
1: I think it's the same problem that the Primitive Radio Gods had, that it was a passion project, an early onset passion project that like a I passion
0: project with no passion for any of it well
1: no i think i think he does have that passion and i think that it exists but i think like with primitive radio gods it was such an obsession and a fixation on getting this album out there because i don't think sex and candy was on the original recording either and then sex and candy became the break Awake single and
0: yeah god i hate that like 70s nostalgia from the 90s that's why i hate the lyrics to that song so much
1: so it is very 70s and if you look at the video it's filmed that way too
0: yeah i think isn't there a tarantula in the video yeah i knew there was a reason i couldn't watch it i'm like severely arachnophobic so
1: yeah there's a very like i think across all the videos they have a very like orange aesthetic and there was and saturday is all under like the that video, they are in bed and they're going through a network of like blanket forts that are connected to bed. And it's it's crazy, but like it's very orange aesthetic to that one, too.
0: I also think um, the reason I like Gone Crazy so much is it sounds to me like the most recent Vampire Weekend album, which uh, should fair. make you hate it.
1: <laughs> I don't look people. You think I hate a lot more than I do. I can I can have a a vitriolic rant about something without absolutely hating it i just at the moment i have a some strong opinions uh but i can hear that there's i think marcy playground is quietly more influential on later bands than anyone wants to admit and i think it's because people were there was such a blowback after sex and candy that people stopped listening to them and that's unfair marcy playground deserves better you deserve better this band's fine we they, should rank this album.
0: They're fine. I would not go any higher than that. Um, okay, so what is your feeling on where this goes? Uh,
1: I would put it above Stereo Lab.
0: Um, I would put it between Carved in Sand and Whirly Gage.
1: It is better than both those albums. It is- I
0: don't think it's better than Carved in Sand. I think Carved in Sand is like way better. I mean, I think, well, like I said, I would put this at number... This would be my new number fifteen above Rocket. I'm, I'm not going to do that to you because I know you like this a lot.
1: I think I think it's just above Card Sand for me. Like it's like Card Sand is probably more broadly appreciable, but I think that you cannot deny the absolute fucking effect that Sex and Candy had, and the band's consistent. That that Mission album isn't like it. It it has some some grave pitfalls that f- plague them for the rest of their career. And Marcy playground just got better from here, but I think it's I think it's middle of the pack. I think it is better than than carbon sand. I will say that it maybe doesn't outstretch the efficacy of that love Lives crushing album, but I don't think it's any lower than that.
0: Okay, I was hoping I could get you by saying it's not as good as Carved in Sand, which I honestly believe it's not as good as Carved in Sand. I I, I, I think they both I, have. I problems. mean, this is our. This but is, I think this what? is the difference in our taste in a nutshell. I'm like, Carved in Sand fell on its ass a couple of times, but also was like way more ambitious. And I don't feel like this album has any ambition whatsoever. And so therefore, it's like everything on it is fine. There's nothing terrible but there's also nothing great.
1: Grapes of Wrath is really bad.
0: Grapes of Wrath is a terrible terrible song. But Into the Blue is a really really good song. That's yeah. Into like the way very better good. than any song on the Smarsy Playground album.
1: I just I think we we have we cannot list the album with Sex and Candy on any lower than the, where I'm suggesting it go. Brassy Playground's Sex and Candy was one of the longest running number one songs of all time until relatively recently i mean the last 20 years
0: on on the modern rock chart not on the like top 40 but still that's 15 weeks at number one is okay i I will give you that um
1: it is a very important album that if we if we were going by the way that a song hit the fucking world this album would probably be close to the top okay that's
0: that's persuasive to me Um,
1: because i mean honestly i came in here being like i'm gonna be a dick and try to push it for number two i wasn't gonna do that no i wasn't gonna do that (laughs) I was going to be realistic, but we needed it we to be known that Sex and Candy was an intensely influential song. When people put together a 90s playlist, what does the 90s sound like to you? It is Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls and Sex and Candy. Like, that's what the 90s sounded like.
0: Yeah. I mean, unless you're me, and then it's To Hear Knows When and No Scrubs. Well,
1: you're... <laughs> no Scrubs is good as shit. No Scrubs is a fucking great song,
0: and I won't hear any argument. No, no Scrubs, better than anything on this Marcy Playground album. I'm not going to um, find that
1: one, but we're not going to be able to talk about it because it's pop of shit, so...
0: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely not an alternative record, but fuck No Scrubs is so good. We should, it's a great we video, should, too. If we start damn, a, I love everything about No Scrubs.
1: That's going to be great. If we start a, like a a Patreon, we should have like incremental, just like, talking about 90s music, where we just talk <laughs> about like, great-ass albums in the 90s.
0: Yeah, which, I mean... I, most of them for me are going to be on this show, but like,
1: there's some pop music that's fucking there, stellar.
0: Yeah, there's there's some R&B
1: pop. Uh, just there's some good shit.
0: Okay, so you think you'll you'll be happy with this at number ten?
1: I would be happy with this. At, well, it's going to be number eleven.
0: Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, but yeah, no, I gonna... mean, if you real like, I could probably you put this above blow eyelash wish just based I mean, on i mean i think that, functionally uh, it should be it's uh, i i think it's uh, that's you, you really cannot you me. cannot
1: I, lie about how fucking just everywhere sex no, and candy I, was no, I,
0: I, I know it man blow eyelash wish is so much more ambitious that like just well not we can't break on ambition alone universe as
1: marcy playground's entire fucking success was built <sighs> upon sex and candy being as everywhere as it was on every alternative station in the country like that this, and if we were ranking this by that metric, which we decided early on, we weren't gonna do that because a lot of the bands that we're talking about aren't necessarily on American charts, and they also the way billboard functioned in the nineties was absurd that we couldn't rank this other way, but I still think it's worth considering because if we linked it that way, it would be at the top of the fucking list because that's
0: well n- no, never mind would be at the top of the list if we ranked well, that right way. right
1: now of what we have. But I'm not going to do that, and I think that, yeah,
0: yeah, you're definitely not going to do that because this is not better than uh, you can't even make a case for this against any of the current top. Three. No,
1: I, I, I was gonna be, I was gonna be a dick and try to, I was gonna start at number two and work my way down. To if the If you middle. had started
0: at number two, I'd have been like, this is the worst album of the nineties.
1: <laughs> see, <laughs> even I mean, though it's
0: not, I would still see. Have said I don't that test my luck as much out as you do. Of spite.
1: But but I do think it's better than the Love Life Crushing album. I was just gonna try to give you a give you a gentle hand on that one. Yeah.
0: But... I, I feel like between Carved in Sand and, San and Whirly Digger is the best place for it, but I'll I'll give you this one. Okay, so let's read it off then, make it official. Um, the new number ten, Marcy Playground by Marcy Playground. Number nine, Cobra and Fazes Group play Voltage in the Milky Night by Stereo Lab. Number eight, Gratuitous Sax and Senseless Violins by Sparks. Number seven, Reach in a New Refutation of Time and Space by Digable Planets. Number six, What to Do About Them by The Swirlies. Number five, What's the Story Morning Glory by Oasis. Number four, Eight Arms to Hold You by Veruca Salt. Number three, Kill Uncle by Morrissey. Number two, a Philosophy of Momus by Momus. And number one, Liberation by The Divine Comedy. Um, so let's talk about Nerd records. What do you have in store for us?
1: Let me pull up the actual title so I don't fuck it up. "The Fatherless and the Widow" by Sixpence None the Richer, one of three albums they released in nineteen ninety-five.
0: I am amazed that you're picking something that sounds like the Sundays before I pick an actual Sundays album.
1: I've been listening to uh, Sixpence None the Richer a lot recently because I was trying to like pinpoint a certain sound of the nineties in this band was sticking
0: with me. They're definitely a sound of the 90s. <laughs> there,
1: there, was a, there was a through current of things sounding like this in the 90s.
0: Well, so my original pick was something that sounds similar to that, which I'm going to push back now because, because you picked that. Um, That'll go to the week after next. Um, So because you picked that, I am picking also in honor of next week being our 10th episode, it seemed like I should have a Album that is uh thematically similar, so I'm picking ten by Pearl Jam.
1: Oh god.
0: This one's gonna be a throwdown because I think that album's really good, and I'm guessing you think that album sucks ass.
1: I don't think I've ever listened to it really.
0: Oh, okay. It's it's
1: Oh no, even flow's on it, goddamn. Yeah. No. Even flow's great. God. <laughs> Add it to the playlist, motherfucker. <laughs> Speaking of, if you search in our 1990s on Spotify, you can hear both our podcast and our playlist. Any album that we listen to that is on Spotify, I will add to this fucking playlist. So listen to it, shuffle it, despair. It will not be kind to you. But you know what? You'll get a a treat that we have to gone through. This is over 15 hours of music now. I think it's probably up to almost 18 with this Pearl Jam album and Sixpence on the Richer. So that's fun. And you can also listen to all of our po- our podcasts on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, anywhere that podcasts are heard to crib from NPR.
0: Yes, and if you want to see our full rankings, go to bit.ly slash nr1990s, and that is 1990s. I should probably have made that the name of the podcast instead of spelling out 1990s, but you know what? You know like
1: it. to fuck with the algorithms. I
0: spelled it the way the Pet Shop Boys wrote it in the lyrics to Being Boring, which is where I stole it from.
1: <laughs> I still haven't a Pet Shop Boys album.
0: No, because that would be the first Pet Shop Boys album I would want to do, and I haven't wanted to have a fight with you about dethroning divine comedy from number one yet.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's that high. Ooh, well, that's a bad we'll, miss. we'll We'll get
0: there eventually. Um... So, yeah, so next week, sixpence on the Richer and Pearl Jam
1: which uh to point out, most people know Sixpence on the Richer and their self-titled album is not their first album.
0: no, I mean, they were one of those bands that was like on the Christian rock circuit forever mm-hmm. before they put out their pop crossover, right yeah, so, so first uh, also you're you're bringing the first Christian band, Mr. Mm-hmm. Satanist. <laughs> I figured I would get a Joy Electric album on the list Look, then. I would listen
1: to a lot of Six Pits on the Retro because they were fucking influential as fuck. And they I were, also they're good. Ex- they're a good band. And I had to exist in, you know, Christian circles.
0: Yeah. Look, there's good Christian music in the 90s. Well, I'm glad
1: Christians have all the bad music.
0: Which is a Joy Electric song. <laughs> Joy Electric is fucking great. Um, I, will
1: give, I will give Joy Electric that. I put them yeah. on... So I curate my company's Christmas playlist which is like I think a good 72 hours worth of Christmas music at this point. But I put all of Joy Electric's Christmas album on there. And people fucking hate it. It's, Customers it's, love it.
0: That, it's kind of a bad album. <laughs> I was really disappointed by their Christmas album. But most of the rest of Joy Electric's catalog is awesome. It I met f- Ronnie Martin and I was wearing a Momus t-shirt at the time. And he knew. He was like, oh, Momus, I know him.
1: Oh, that's, So man. Mr.
0: Christian Synthpop knows Momus.
1: I would have I would have been so tempted to if when what year did you
0: It was early two thousands, I don't know. I, I hope to fuck was, Fultronic
1: but... without so you could have been like, we yeah, to was... you about the the intricacies of the penis song? I think
0: it was like I, th- I think Oscar Tennis Champion was the most recent album 'cause I think okay. what I think what he said. Was like, oh, F- Momus, I know him. He did Voltronic. Or, like, Voltronic is his newest album, right? Something like that. And I was like, oh, I think. You so know. he
1: absolutely had heard the penis song. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's one of my absolute favorite Momus songs.
0: Ronnie Martin seemed like a really nice guy. <laughs> he and does. he makes really good music. So I look forward to eventually talking about Joy Electric on this podcast.
1: Theism doesn't inherently make you a bad person. This is how you employ your theism against other people and it turns out people who are bad people often don't actually have theistic views they just use them to wield cudgels so
0: yeah so tune in next week for our theology cast
1: <laughs>
0: um, hail so, satan yeah until then uh, hail satan